0: Today we're going to continue our series in the parables of Jesus. Today we're looking at the parable of the unmerciful servant. If you want to go there in your Bible, it's Matthew chapter 18. We'll start in verse 21, Matthew 18, 21. If not, it'll be here on the screen behind me. You can follow along. This parable is going to come about because a question is asked of Jesus from one of his disciples. The disciple is Peter. Peter's going to come to Jesus, ask him a question, and Jesus is going to his his answer to Peter's question is going to be this parable. So here's the question that that Peter asks in Matthew chapter eighteen, verse twenty one. It says, "Then Peter came to Jesus and asked, 'Lord, how many times shall I forgive my brother or sister who sins against me? Up to seven times?'" Jesus answered, "I tell you, not seven times, but seventy seven times." Peter comes with a genuine question for Jesus, saying. Jesus, how many times do I have to forgive this person who keeps doing the same thing to me over and over and over again? Now, from my understanding, most rabbis of the day said at least three times, you have to forgive the person three times, and after three times, they're deliberately doing this to you no more. So the question is a, is a valid question to ask, and it's a question that, from our, our, from our understanding, was a pretty popular question of the time and place. So Peter wants Jesus' response to the question, right? He wants to know, hey, rabbi, what's... What's your answer to this question that everybody's asking is, how many times do I have to forgive someone who keeps hurting me, who keeps sinning against me? And so Peter thinks he's being fairly generous by going to seven. If if the common idea of the day was three, he's he's four more than that, right? So I think Peter's response is what what Peter is expecting Jesus to say back to him. What what Jesus' response is going to be is that Peter's being generous, right? That Peter's going kind of above and beyond. It's not how it works out, but I think that's what Peter was, was thinking. So he says, how many, how many times, Jesus? Up to, up to seven times? And Jesus' response is, I tell you not seven times, but 77 times. And you're thinking to yourself, that's a lot, right? 77. Now there's two different ideas here on why Jesus answers that way. One, it's just hyperbole, right? He's just saying, you're going to keep on forgiving no matter what. As Christians, we're going to forgive, and we're going to forgive, and we're going to forgive, and we're going to forgive. But there's an interesting idea also, that, that I came across, that takes us back to Genesis chapter 4. Now, anytime you see something in the Bible like this, especially the New Testament, that you think 77 is kind of a specific number. Think to yourself, that's, why would, that's weird. Why would that happen? If you have a concordance, if you, have a, you look it up and, and see where else it might be mentioned in the Bible, and sometimes that offers us some clues of maybe what's going on. There are some people that believe Jesus might be referencing this story in the Old Testament when he uses this idea of 77. So Cain... Had been, had, had killed his brother and was on the run. And Cain cries out to God. And God says, I'll protect you, Cain. I'll put a mark on you to protect you. So if anybody kills you, I'll avenge I'll avenge them on your behalf. And that's the, the footing of this, that's the kind of the background of the story in Genesis chapter 4. We read in verse 15, it says, But the Lord said to him, Not so, anyone who kills Cain will suffer vengeance seven times over. Now that sounds familiar, right? Then the Lord put a mark on Cain so that no one who found him, would kill him. So Cain went out from the Lord's presence and lived in the land of Nod, east of Eden. Later on in this chapter, in verse 24, they're talking about Lamech. And this is what it says in verse 24. If Cain is avenged seven times, then Lamech, 77 times. So there are some who believe that when Jesus uses the, the number 77, when it comes to forgiveness, that he's actually trying to take the precedent that was set in Genesis and reverse it. So God was going to avenge Lamech if someone killed him 77 times. And now in the New Testament, what we're seeing is that Jesus is telling us to forgive people 77 times. So the idea could possibly be that as in the Old Testament, it was said as God will avenge his death to the 77th times. In the New Testament, it's a flip. It's forgiveness. Instead of God avenging, God's asking us to forgive and forgive and forgive and forgive, and forgive up to 77 times so we're not sure if that's exactly what Jesus is referencing, but there's a chance that's what's going on here in this passage. Jesus is then going to continue his answer by telling us a parable. First, Matthew, back to Matthew chapter 18, starting in verse 23, he says, Therefore, the kingdom of heaven is like a king who wanted to settle accounts with his servants. As he began the settlement, a man who owed him 10,000 bags of gold was brought to him. Since he was not able to pay, the master ordered that he and his wife and his children and all that he had be sold to repay the debt. Now, Jesus is going to tell us a story, most likely about a Gentile king who has all these people he rules over, and how, what we think the story is probably referencing is what would happen is the king would put people, large kind of people who had a lot of acres and and did a lot of farming, he'd put them in charge of their whole community. And their job was to collect taxes from the people who were smaller, less than them, and then that person would take a cut of that, and then he'd give that money to the king. And so one of those men, who's probably in charge of his community, of collecting taxes, is, is time to, it's time to, to pay up, right? The king's saying, it's time to settle our accounts, and you owe 10,000 bags of gold. Now, most countries, in the time in which Jesus tells his stories, their, their, their gross domestic product, their GDP for the whole country, was less than this. So the whole point of Jesus as he tells the story, remember a parable doesn't have to be true in the sense that the facts have to be true. It's a story trying to teach a lesson, right? So what Jesus essentially is saying is the man owes millions and millions and millions of dollars in a time in which people didn't have millions and millions and millions of dollars. The rough estimate is that between like seven and ten million days wages is what this man owed. So it's impossible for him to pay it back. He'll never work enough. His children will never work enough. His children's children will never work enough to pay back the debt. The debt is so large that he'll never sell the account. And so what the master is going to do is he's going to sell him, sell his wife, sell his children, and so everything he has, they're going to be sold into bondage as as slaves or servants, and that's how they're going to repay the debt. That's the only way, right? And even then, the debt's not going to be repaid. It's It's a small little minuscule chunk of the debt. But the king at least will know that he got some of it back. This is what happens in the next part of the story in verse 26. At this, the servant fell on his knees before him. Be patient with me, he begged, and I will pay back everything. The servant's master took pity on him, canceled the debt, and let him go. A few things that we want to point out in this section. First of all, he's never going to pay him back. So he gets... He falls on his knees and he begs for mercy, right? Please be patient with me. He begged, I'll, I'll pay you back. He's never going to pay him back. It's not going to happen. He doesn't have enough days left in his life to possibly pay him back. It's impossible. The king knows it. What happens is the king looks on him, the scripture tells us with pity, compassion, and he cancels his debt and lets him go. Now you can imagine how the servant would feel servant was about to lose his freedom his his wife his children everything he had and because the king is gracious because the king is merciful he cancels the debt that he would never be able to repay and the story ended there i know i made fun of hallmark movies a few weeks back and got you guys all excited got mad at me if the if the story ended there it'd be a great hallmark movie right Jesus isn't making Hallmark movies, and he doesn't care, so he keeps telling the story. Verse 28. But when that servant, the servant who was just forgiven the debt he could never, ever repay, when that servant went out, he found one of his fellow servants who owed him 100 silver coins, a 100 days labor. He grabbed him, began to choke him, saying, pay back what you owe me. This doesn't seem to make a lot of sense, does it? The servant who was just forgiven a debt that he could possibly never repay, not going to happen ever in his life, leaves after being forgiven his debt. It's canceled. He sees a guy who owes him nothing compared to what he owes him. A millionth of what he owed the king, this man owes him. And he goes and he says, I want that money now, and chokes him, assuming he's going to take enough airway that he'll pay it, I guess. I'm not sure what that logic is, right? Pay back what you owe me, he demanded. Now this is ludicrous. It's crazy. Because you would think, if you had been forgiven so much, you would think you would be quick to forgive others. You would think. The story continues in verse 29. His fellow servant fell to his knees, and begged him, does this sound familiar? Be patient with me, and I will pay it back. Now when he says it, he's not lying. Because he actually has a chance to repay it. The other guy had no chance. He says, if you, if you just give me some time, I'll work extra after, after my normal hours. I'll come in, and I'll work overtime, and I'll get it paid back. And look what happens in verse 30. He says, but he refused. Instead, he went off and had the man thrown into prison until he could pay the debt. When the other servants saw what had happened, they were outraged and went and told their master everything that had happened. Now, if you want someone to pay you back, it's not a good idea to put him in jail because it's hard to make money when you're in jail. Right? None of this, none of it makes sense from the guy who was is, who is forgiven so much. He's not going to pass that same forgiveness on to his fellow servant. He chokes him, which is not nice. If you want to make friends, you don't choke people. That's a terrible way of making friends. And then when he's given the opportunity to forgive the other man's debt, he refuses. And and not only does he refuse to to listen and give him time to pay it back, but instead of giving him a chance, he he has him thrown in prison where he'll never have a chance to pay it back. And the other servants see what happened. They think to themselves, this is crazy. The king forgave this man so much, and he won't give even a little bit of that to a fellow servant. The story continues. The master finds out what's happened. In verse 32, it says this, And the master called the servant in. You wicked servant, he said. I canceled all that debt of yours because you begged me to. Since you have had mercy on your fellow servant just as I had had on you? In anger, his master handed him over to the jailers to be tortured until he should pay back all he owed and the story ends by Jesus saying this This is how my heavenly Father will treat each of you unless you forgive your brother or sister from your heart It was a setup Jesus set them up and set us up from the beginning Let's look back at the story for just a second Remember how the story begins the servant owes a debt that he can't possibly pay. And so he comes to the king, verse twenty six, he falls on his knees and pleads with him, Be patient with me. And the master takes pity on him and forgives him his debt. That sound familiar to anybody? See, you and I have a debt that we can't repay. The Apostle Paul told us in Romans three twenty three, all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. That God set a standard. That standard was perfection. You and I, spoiler alert, haven't reached it. You're not going to. And so we have a debt to the Master, don't we? A debt. We have this problem. called sin. The problem we have is we can't possibly pay that debt and pay for that debt ourselves. Somebody's going to have to pay it for us. And he did. The guy telling the story is the guy who ends up on the cross. The guy who's telling the story is the guy who's going to pay our debt in full. He's going to pay Peter's debt and John's debt and Judas' debt and all people who've ever lived, all their debts are going to be paid in one act. Jesus' blood shed on the cross. So when Peter asked the question, this whole thing started with Peter asking what? how many times do I have to forgive my brother or sister when they sin against me? Up to seven times? And Jesus' response is, you forgive like you've been forgiven. The problem with that is God just keeps forgiving us. And so when our brothers and sisters sin against us, Jesus is trying to get us to understand, we, for, we better forgive like God forgives. Because if not, we become, what this section is titled in your Bible, the parable of the unmerciful servant. We become the servant who, in, as we hear the story, think, how could this jerk act like that? When you have been forgiven so much, how could you possibly not forgive your fellow servant the little bit that they've, they owe you? This parable is great. I mean, it, it's hard. It's hard because it hurts, it penetrates to the heart, but it's a great parable. A reminder for us that we ought to forgive like God forgives. And God just keeps on forgiving. So when we hurt each other, one, if we're the one who's done the hurting, we we should be aware of it, we should own up to it, and we should say, hey, I'm sorry. Those words go a long ways, don't they? Sorry, I was, I was wrong. Those last two are really hard to get out of our mouths. right? I'm, I'm wrong. It's, it's difficult. And we forgive each other because we remember how much God has forgiven us. The challenge came at the very end. It's a little scary. What happens to, to the man who doesn't forgive his fellow servant who owed him barely anything? The master brings him in. First, whom has the wicked servant? And in anger, in verse 34, hand him over to the jailers to be tortured until he should pay back all he owed. Now, the problem is, how much did he owe? More than he could possibly repay. And so, if you, if you want to take this to its logical conclusion, this servant ends up being tortured for forever. And Jesus said. Heavenly Father will treat each of you unless you forgive your brother or sister from your heart the same way. We have to be people of forgiveness. I know it's hard. It's not easy. Remember, forgiveness isn't forgetfulness. When we forgive someone, it doesn't mean we forget it. It doesn't mean that we go back to that person and get hurt time and time and time again. That's not what God, God didn't say we're human punching bags. We don't have to forget what they did. Our job is to forgive them, is to move past it. And the, the thing about forgiveness that is sometimes hard for us to understand is forgiveness is actually really for us, not so much for them. Because most of the time, the person that you're holding the grudge against, they've forgot about it. They've moved on, and it's nothing to them. They can't remember they did it. And we're holding the grudge, and we're holding the grudge, and we're holding the grudge, and we're letting anger seep into everything of our, every part of our life. And God says, forgive. Not just for them, but for us. Forgiveness does something to our soul, not just to theirs. So the story, the parable of the unmerciful servant is a great reminder for us that we had better keep on forgiving and forgiving and forgiving. Let's pray. Our Father in heaven, we thank you for the story, this parable that Jesus tells and teaches us a lesson about, about forgiveness, what that looks like in our lives. God, help us to forgive. We know it's, God, it's difficult sometimes to forgive people, especially when they've hurt us time and time again. God, we also know that it's not our job to to be forgetful in it. That we don't have to keep going back to that person and letting them hurt us time and time again. That forgiveness isn't forgetfulness, that we don't have to keep going back to the well when we know there's nothing there but bad. God, help us as we interact with each other to be people that are able to, to look past each other's faults, to forgive each other quickly and completely. God, because we are so grateful that you are a God who forgives us. That while our sins are many... You cleanse each and every one of them. When we come to you and we ask for your forgiveness, you are quick to forgive. God, we're so grateful that you love us, that you're compassionate towards us, that you're empathetic towards us, that you're merciful, that you're good. Father, we thank you for all that you do for us, and for all that you've done for us. We thank you for the person of Jesus, for his willingness to sacrifice everything for us, to make it possible for us to be forgiven by you, and to have a relationship with you. We pray all this in his powerful and healing.